0: Plenty of thoughts from Saturday night, most of them good. But the number one thing on my mind right now, Dilly Dilly, here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks and Seattle Mariners fan. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. If you're watching on YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks, which is why... If you haven't already, please continue to like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching this show. Five star views on Apple Podcasts. Those help too. Thank you to everybody who has already done all of that good jazz and continue to be fans of the show. I interacted with a couple of you on uh, Ryan Winters post game uh, chat there on, on Saturday night after I finished my broadcast and it was uh, a, a lot of fun. I love I love getting to meet all of you. I love getting to be a part of this community. It's really really a privilege uh, for me. So I'm not going to talk about the Mariners, at least not right now. I could give you 60 minutes on why that was such a great night, but it was a really good night for Oregon football. And I began the show with Dilly Dilly because I continue to be impressed with Kenny Dillingham and we all should be too, or you all should be too, I guess is the proper way to put it. As you may have learned by now, I'm not very good at English. I didn't study it or anything. I just come on here and figure out how to talk well enough so that you understand what I'm attempting to communicate. Uh, First of all, big picture, Dan Lanning, after just about every game, goes to the podium and talks about how he wants to see the team get better. He's never satisfied. It's not that he's discontent with the performances Oregon's been putting out there on a week-to-week basis. He's happy with them because we're getting wins, playing the way that they're supposed to. There are a lot of good things happening around the program right now, but Dan Lanning is Always, he talked about it at Pac-12 Media Days. You know that uh, that bamboo metaphor. You water it a little, a little, a little, and then it just keeps growing, and then eventually, you, you've got a fully grown bamboo plant. So, I think that's what he is really putting into practice because it is on his mind every time. And you know, I I try to be an optimist generally speaking, but I have a very realist half of my brain that is always looking at how we can get better. And Dan Lanning is in that same boat because every time he's talking about we did this well, we did this well, but we're not. And he's talking about it in the first 60, 90 seconds. You go on the road. You went in the desert for the first time since 2015. And Dan Lanning is out there saying, yeah, okay, we still got to get better in this area, this area, and this area. And I'm really glad to see that because Oregon should not be completely content, mostly content. Yes, but they should not be completely satisfied with how they're playing. But Kenny Dillingham is doing so many things right. And I'm going to talk a good deal about the offense that that he showed on Saturday and really what we've seen from him over the course of the season because this is now becoming a, a weekly thing for Kenny Dillingham. The offense has scored over 40 points in five straight weeks. We all remember Georgia. That was a long time ago. And this football team has done nothing but score and score and score some more. And yeah, it wasn't perfect up at Washington State, but they came through when they needed to. And it was a bit of a sluggish start against Stanford. But then you look up and you see that Oregon had 31 points in the first half and a 28-point advantage. And, And it's such a breath of fresh air from last year. You know how I feel about talking about the previous staff and whatnot. But I will say it is really nice to see this staff and this team play the way they're capable of against team that they're just better than. I talk about on lockdown pack 12 all the time. I, I love this Arizona team. It's hard to not root for them. It, it really is. I also had a high school teacher who I had a really fun bet with, Mr. Noble. Whichever team uh, lost in, in football or men's basketball, the other would have to wear the hat for a day of the opposing team. So sometimes he was wearing an Oregon hat and sometimes I was wearing an Arizona hat for an entire day at school. So I've always had that sort of affinity for Arizona in some sense. But also, as a Mariners fan, I empathize with teams and, and programs when they get way down. And Arizona is on the way up. And, and there was a legitimate threat from them offensively that Oregon helped to quash that that I or worked to quash successfully, I, I think, which I'll get to on, on the latter portion of today's show. But still, with where Arizona is at, Oregon is a much better team. They're much more talented. I think they're a little bit more well coached. They're a little bit more. They've got a lot more experience as well. That's how that game should look. And a year ago against Arizona, against Cal, certainly in the loss against Stanford, Oregon did not play up to their potential. They played down to their competition. And most of the time they were able to squeak out wins. But this team, what is so nice to see on a weekly basis, I think it's great. Going forward as well for how they may perform when when the UCLA's and and Utah's of the world are coming to town, Oregon State and Washington also not going to be rollover games this season. You've got to be able to know where that ceiling is at and where it can still go. And Kenny Dillingham with this offense, week in and week out, is putting on a show. There there are so many things that that I like offensively. Um, he seems to really be hitting his stride with play calling and. Something I talked about after the Washington State game was look, he's a first time full-time play caller. The red zone execution has not was not there in that first half. Got better as the game went on, but you know, mostly those were big plays that Oregon had down the stretch. Look at the adjustments that he has made. And, and he's not oversimplifying what he's doing. He looks at this matchup with Arizona. He knows what the opponent is. Coaches will never say. You'll never hear coaches say this sort of stuff, but Oregon knows that they have more talent on the other side. And so what Dillingham did in this game in the red zone that I thought was really smart is he said, if we're just better, let's not try and get too cute. Let's not try and get complicated. Let's just line up. Let's bring out the jumbo package. Let's run it down their throats. And let's just prove that we're the better team, which Oregon is. And they showed that on the road, no less, to what was, I believe, at least at the start of the game, a sold out Wildcat Stadium. So I really, really like that, you know, not doing the, the long pin and pull plays where you pull two guys up into the hole nearly as much the, the quick pull around from that jumbo set. I really like that a lot. It, you know, Connerly had a monster block on a Jordan James touchdown where he helps seal the hole and then the guard pulls around Marcus Harper when they run left. But the other thing I like about Dillingham is the multiplicity of this offense. There are similar plays and concepts and formations we see on a week-to-week basis, but I never feel with Dillingham right now that this offense is predictable. And I remember a time in 2019 with uh, with Marcus Arroyo, it got a little bit better from the year before, but 2018 especially in those games where Oregon's offense went on the road to Tucson or to Salt Lake City or to Pullman and were just blanked in the first half where the play calling felt stagnant and predictable. Has anyone felt that at any point in time with Kenny Dillingham as a play caller right now? The answer to me is no, because what I'm seeing is he's using the talent that Oregon has. He's getting the ball around. Bo Nix is facilitating like a point guard on the basketball court. I played a lot of 2K growing up, not anymore because it's a terrible game, but back when it was actually good, I played a lot of 2K. My team was the 2008 Boston Celtics with Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett. And you know who my favorite guy to play with was? Rajon Rondo. And I wanted to get 20 assists, and I didn't care where the ball was going. That's Bo Nix right now in this Oregon offense, and Kenny Dillingham deserves a lot of credit, not just for having Bo in that position, that mindset, but the play calling, the execution, and, and just the way that the offense is designed to run. So many guys are getting involved. It's still not everyone. Dante Thornton is kind of become an a wall on a weekly basis for whatever reason because I think there's just a lot of talented guys out there. But I see Coda, Franklin, and and uh, Hudson, of course, getting touches. The tight ends are involved. Uh what one more thought on on the tight ends in that heavy package coming after I remind you that the numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over four million people have chosen Simply Safe Home Security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters I know because I've got it here at my house, my housemate and I have it, and we absolutely love it. They have 24-7 professional monitoring. Simply Safe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at SimplySafe.com/slash on college. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month. Free. Visit simplysafe.com/slash locked on college to learn more. There's no safe like simply safe. So Dillingham, when when I talk about him being multiple and not predictable, we've seen that heavy package, right? And I love it. It's been highly effective. You're getting Connorly on the field. He's showing what he can do. Clearly, he's really, really, really good. And I I, I have the utmost confidence in him being our left tackle of the future for the next couple of years after this one. But for now, this offensive line is just ridiculously good. Once last time Oregon ran for 300 yards in back-to-back games, I don't care who you're playing. That doesn't happen very often unless you have a great offensive line. But continuing on Dillingham, and there, there's plenty of praise for him in this episode, I really, really think it's warranted. He shows that heavy package, right? Everybody's seen it. Everybody's looked at it on film. And by the way, I like that they went back to the quarterback sneak after Washington State shut it down. Arizona doesn't have the athletes and doesn't play as well defensively as the Cougars do. And so they went out there and said, yeah, if you're not going to stop it, we're just going to keep running it. Don't oversimplify it. Right. I think it's the biggest thing that Dillingham has showed from a growth perspective. Getting into the red zone is just lying up and saying, you know what? Until you prove that you can just stop us straight running the ball, we're just going to shove it down your throats. And they did that very well. But that heavy package, Oregon has now scored a touchdown from that set in four different ways. It's not one play. And they're showing it in different weeks. They've showed the quick pin and pull where they just give it to Jordan James on the strong side. They've showed it on the weak side. They've shown the play action. There was a broken play where I think Bo Nix was supposed to hand it off. They weren't on the same page or whatever. And he rolled out against Stanford. Pump fake gotten in the end zone somehow. That was an amazing play. Don't think that's what Dillingham was really hoping for. But that's why you like having a playmaker quarterback like Bo Nix, who, again, was very, very good and made a lot of great decisions. I'll talk about him, I think, probably later in in the week, because he deserves a good deal of praise as well for how he's been playing. But Kenny Dillingham goes out and shows a new look in the same formation with that tight end sweep to Maliki Montalvo. When I saw that play, I was so happy because what I'm seeing is a play caller who's evolving. He's not stuck in his ways. He's being multiple. He's using the weapons and he's smart because they've showed that tight end motion time and time again. And you know, Arizona was looking for it, right? You see that? Oh, here they, they've showed this. They've, they've showed the play action off. It got to be ready. Who was ready for the tight end sweep? He's constantly evolving, changing, tweaking, perfecting. It reminds me of my, my golf swing, honestly. I'm, I'm not a bad player, but I'm always trying to work on stuff. And even when I make improvements, I then want to make more improvements. And that's what Dillingham's doing with this offense. The way that he's spreading the ball around and just being smart. He showed some two running back sets. When was the last time we saw that? It hasn't been there. We haven't even seen it a lot this season, but we showed it on Saturday. Do I like the potential that you have there with all the running back weapons Oregon's got in the backfield? Bet your rear end I do. Sean Dollars going over here and Bucky Irving over there, there's a lot of misdirection and and, and triple option threat there that I I think is a little bit unexplored, frankly. But the way that they are running this offense right now, I, I have no reservations because going into this week, one thing that I'd said last week on the show was, yeah, you can't have those those red zone struggles that you had against Stanford. You can get away with them at home against a bad team, but Arizona is better than Stanford. And now we're going to be on the road. And they went down in the red zone and they were really effective. No field goals in this game. Seven touchdowns, couple of explosive plays. But they got down there and they just said, you probably can't beat us. You being Arizona, of course. And the Wildcats couldn't. So I, I'm just, they're balanced, they're smart, they're multiple, they're explosive, they utilize everyone's talents, right? Bo's legs are, are a part of the offense, but if you took that away as a defense, I still feel like there are other options, right? I, I don't feel like Bo's legs are ever a safety valve, save for a handful of plays over the course of the game, which is just normal when, when playing college football but we're using him in the run game. Bo is keeping himself from taking big shots, which I really, really like. There were a couple plays when when they do that, that two-lineman pull and it, it's an outside sweep read to the running back and Bo Nix can pull it or, or give it outside. There were a couple times where Oregon ran that play and I felt like Bo Nix could have handed it off or taken it himself and it would have been a really big game. Right? They can attack you inside. They can attack you outside. They can get the tight ends involved. They get multiple receivers involved. They use the running backs well. They use the running backs in the passing game. Like, what what can't this Oregon offense do right now? And they haven't found an opponent since Georgia who's been able to slow them down. And that's a really encouraging sign. And I think Washington State did that for a half, but they didn't do it for two halves. They didn't do it for a full game. And I think Oregon's offense, their play calling and execution Right, they avoided a lot of those silly penalties down in the red zone. Is getting better on a weekly basis, and that's the other important thing. I'll close with this on, on Dillingham before I get to uh, just some moments and thoughts on the game overall. He's getting better each week, and I talked about that when the season began. I think I've mentioned it probably each week as the season has progressed, and we're now somehow halfway through. Oregon's going into their bye, and then game day should be in Eugene for Oregon UCLA. There are a couple other opportunities, but UCLA's got to buy this week. They're 6-0, Oregon 5-1. That's got to be game day. It's just, it's just got to come back to Eugene. I mean, you know Kirk and, and Lee Corso want to go to Eugene. They haven't been there in – I don't even remember the last time they were there. It's been too long. Oregon got game day last year, but it was at UCLA. I think that should be game day once again. Chip coming to Autzen, that's, just, that's a big, big stage. But the thing with Dillingham I've been talking about all season long is – I want to see him get better. There are going to be growing pains as a first-time, full-time play caller. And we've seen those. We saw him at Washington State. I think we saw him even a little bit against Stanford. But this is another step forward. And he is far and above where I expected him to have this offense as. He is the top offensive coach on this staff. And he is doing an excellent job getting so many people involved. Speaking of a lot of people involved. Oregon's running back room is ridiculously talented, just ridiculously talented. And frankly, there aren't enough touches to go around for every guy to maximize his potential. You know, I thought it was nice to see seven McGee get involved in the quick passing game. I I think that's where he can really thrive. But this was not a great Bucky Irving game, but it was a great Noah Whittington game. Not that Bucky Irving was bad. Of course not. But I mean, statistically, Noah Whittington ran the day for the Ducks. And that long touchdown run, I tell you what, when he transferred in, I'd mentioned his long touchdown run he had in a bowl game while he's at Western Kentucky. It was not nearly as impressive as this one. That was a really high level run. It's an outside stretch play and he puts his foot in the ground and he made two hard cuts to get himself free. And then he showed the breakaway speed. Is that the fastest defense he's going to play this year? No, it is not. UCLA's defense Will will be much stiffer against the run than, than Arizona's was for sure, but there are other Pac-12 teams that have a run defense or players at the back end similar to Arizona, and he showed that speed. I thought that that was really really good, and I I just I just love how they're all involved. I I really really do because as the season goes on, we're halfway through. You know what's great for Oregon? None of the running backs have any injuries except for Byron Cardwell, but because of the depth and the experience all those guys have, how great does Jordan James look as a true freshman? Goal line back, sign me up. He looks awesome. He looks absolutely awesome, and it allows guys like Cardwell to not rush themselves back from the injury, or it allows you to play the hot hand on any given week. You can go out there, and it's Irving's week against Stanford, but it was Whittington's week against Arizona. And each guy brings something different to the table. I think Whittington is the best finisher. I think Bucky Irving, who whose touchdown run was awesome. I mean, that his lateral quickness is sensational. That move where he has the inside zone, he cuts it back, darts to the outside, and sneaks inside the pylon, he 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 showed what he's really been demonstrating all year, which is he's probably the most well rounded back, but he's not the only back. Remember, CJ Verdell got hurt a season ago because he was getting the line share of the carries and Royce Freeman was dinged up from time to time. And you know, even Michael James got hurt when Kenyon Barner was there. And so it's a physical position where a lot of injuries happen. And so I really like that. There's sh- that they're sharing the rock like this and they're getting so many guys involved because they're explosive. I think dollars has got the best acceleration of any of them and he's involved in the passing game. I really, really like all of that. Um, I'll close today with the defense and, and what they did well and some things where they, they can still improve. After I remind you bet online is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis and articles on every game you can find. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting, which is awesome, and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball. How about the Mariners, baby? How about them Mariners? MMA boxing, my personal favorite, golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. So the defense for Oregon in this game, I thought, had one of their better overall showings of the season. Was it perfect? No. I am much like Dan Lanning in, well, we're not similar in basically any way except for this one. And that's that we're always looking for those little things where the Ducks can still be better. But you have to look at statistics and take them with a grain of salt. Rob Parker's a Fox Sports commentator who, generally speaking, I don't care for. I don't listen to any of his shows, but I've listened to Colin Coward for a long time. He used to come on, doesn't anymore. But he had this nickname for Matthew Stafford because he's a Lions fan, and he was not a big Matthew Stafford fan. And now we see that it's just that the Lions are a joke of a franchise, which you know anybody with uh, two eyes and a, and a functioning brain could have seen before. But anyway, I digress. He used to call Matt Stafford Stat Padford. Because they'd get down, he'd throw for 150 yards through three quarters and then have like, you know, uh, 80 to 100 in the last quarter. And you look up, you say, oh, 250, two touchdowns, interception. That's a pretty good game and whatnot. That was a legitimate criticism, but it was more organizational based. That's an entirely different conversation. I don't need to go into it. But the concept that he outlines there is correct. And that's that statistics when you just look at a box score are a starting point because I wasn't able to watch this game live. I was broadcasting, an uh, in FCS college football game. I look at the box score and I see 356 yards of offense for Arizona. I think that's a little higher than I'd like, but then I think about it and I go, well, wait a minute. When were those yards actually accumulated? When did they score? What, when was the game actually in hand? And when you look up and say they had, I think either 13 or 16 points through three quarters, And then they end up allowing 22. And by the way, if you're scoring 40 plus points a game, allowing 22, no matter when those points come is just fine, because that means you're winning a lot of football games. But when you look at the defense, I look at that BYU game and yeah, they had, they allowed 20 points. Did they really allow 20 points? No, they were much more dominant than that. They were even better than you think because they allowed seven points through three quarters and then the game is over. What do I care if BYU gets a couple of garbage time touchdowns? or if Arizona gets a garbage time touchdown and that drive at the end, they move the ball, you know, I think like 70, 80 yards or so down the field. So that's adding to their total. So yeah, 350 yards or so, but the game's already over at that point. And Oregon got fortunate, capitalized on an Arizona mistake in the red zone and, and DJ Johnson recovered the fumble for sure. But I think this was overall Oregon's best defensive showing of the season. I think it was even better than BYU for one reason and one reason alone. Well, actually two reasons. Number one, and this was the first one that I had before, it was on the road. The defense went up to Pullman and had some good moments, was better than the box score would indicate. They were stout against the run, but they still didn't do, I I think, what they were fully capable of. But they go down to Arizona against an offense that knows how to score points, that has good weapons, that philosophically has all the ingredients to exploit this Oregon defense, has all the ingredients in a quarterback who's proficient in the quick passing game, receivers who are great after the catch, and three elite wide receivers when Oregon really only has one guy who I feel great about in man coverage, maybe two with Bennett Williams. That had all the makings for Arizona to be able to keep up with Oregon. But it wasn't the case because the defense, I thought for the most part, played really well. They allow the big run before the half. they were sitting in prevent and Noah Sewell and Justin Flo just made a mistake. That's that's literally all it was. Right. You had guys sitting back who are not even going to be able to, to to affect a running play in that situation. But then Noah Sewell and Justin Flo just over pursue trying too hard to make a play. That's a coaching thing that can be corrected. I'm not worried about that at all. Because that's a situation where Oregon thinks Arizona is going to throw. They sneak a run by him. Okay. But again, back to what I was talking about before. How many points did Arizona score when the game actually mattered? When it felt like they were within striking distance? Not that many. And then the great thing about that is Oregon allows that score at the end of the half. And then they come out in the second, go right down the field and score a touchdown. It's really, really good that they're winning. I saw this incredible stat earlier that Oregon is blowing teams out in this critical eight-minute stretch. Last four minutes of the second quarter, first four minutes of the third quarter. Oregon's scoring margin is laughably high. It It is incredible what they're doing, and that's when they're pulling away from teams. And that's what a lot of good teams do. Going into the half, which was definitely a weakness a year ago, and coming out of the Coming out in the second half, in the beginning of that third quarter, is where Oregon has been playing some of its best football. And I think defensively, it, you know, were they perfect against the past? No, still a couple penalties you can clean up. One of them on Jalil Florence. I got to tell you, look like Dorian Singer tossed him out of the way, but he was whistled for a flag anyway. But welcome to the Pac-12, like that—that's that, par for the course, right? We've come to expect that at, at this point. But I think the defensive line continued to get some pressure on Jaden Delora. I think that I wanted at least one turnover of the Arizona quarterback going in, or I was going to be disappointed. And guess what? Even though there was an open guy, Ducks defensive lineman got their hands up in the air, tipped the ball, Jaleel Florence makes a play. If not for a hold that I guess you could have called, but in my view, was kind of soft on Julio Florence, he might have had another one. We'll be talking about him uh, a little later in the week on the show, probably a a good deal tomorrow when I go into individual standouts and whatnot. But the fact that the defense went down against a team that, that has the weapons to exploit their weaknesses and held them to the point total that they did and kept this game really out of reach for the most part, I, I thought Oregon would kind of let them hang around in the early going, and then and then pull away late. They pulled away a little quicker than I was even expecting, and, and I was really really pleased with this performance. I, I talked about everything I've seen from Dillingham and and the offense and such. I, I could continue and I will throughout the week on all that sort of stuff. But I think the defense again is making strides. The pass rush is better. The open field tackling it still needs to improve. I thought Gonzo had his worst tackling day probably of the season. Very uncharacteristic for him. But overall, I was pleased with with what I saw defensively, and I think all you Duck fans out there should be too. And I appreciate all of you for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day. I'll see you tomorrow, as always. And go Ducks.